We at Sport Calgary like to stay active in person and online. Be sure to follow us at Sport Calgary on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Calgary Field Lacrosse is pleased to announce that registration for the outdoor summer season is ongoing. Registration is open to boys and girls aged 4 to 18. The programming adheres to the latest local health guidelines and will be conducted in a physically distanced manner. Calgary Field Lacrosse is proud to continue its partnership with Elevate Lacrosse, who provide incredible on-field instruction with coaching from the PLL, NLL, NCAA, and committed NCAA athletes. Visit calgaryfield.com for more program details and information. Kidsport Calgary presents the Face First Podcast with your hosts, Alicia Rissling and Grace Defoe. And here they are sliding right on in, Grace and Alicia. All right, welcome back to the Face First Podcast. My name is Grace Defoe. And my name is Alicia Riz Rizling. And today we have a very special guest joining us from, that looks like an office or is that your home? Uh, it's my, my home office. Your so home office. Multi-purpose. And we have Jeff Snyder, a former professional lacrosse player and founder of Elevate Lacrosse. Thanks for joining us today, Jeff. Well, thanks so much for having me, guys. I'm pumped. Pumped. <laughs> so <laughs> tell us a little bit. We were going to make an intro and, and tell a whole bio, but like the list is way too long of all your accomplishments. And what our podcast likes to do is, is have our guests tell their story. So we want to hear a little bit about your, your life in sport. Start from what you played as a kid and how it took you to the professional level in lacrosse. Sure. Um, well, I'm born and raised Calgarian. I um, spent my time playing uh, hockey and lacrosse here in the city. I played uh, with the Midget AAA Flames uh, onto the Junior Canucks and then um, – I started out playing in the, uh, it was the Crow Child Lacrosse Association at the time and then transferred over to the Hornets. And then I uh, made my way out and played my lacrosse in, in Burnaby, um, my junior lacrosse. Um, was pursuing a, a hockey scholarship and uh, I ended up getting drafted to the Vancouver Ravens in, oh man, what was it? It might have been 2001. Um, and then elected to take a lacrosse scholarship to the University of Denver. Um, I went, uh, went into the University of Denver, played four years there, um, and ended up uh, coming out, getting drafted to the Denver Outlaws, uh, played for Team Canada that summer, and it kind of took off from there. So I floated around in the MLL, which is uh, which was the, the professional lacrosse league, uh, the field lacrosse league, and then uh, started out with the Philadelphia Wings. I got traded to Calgary in 2011, where I played uh, five years here with the Roughnecks and finished my uh, NLL career, and then continued on with Team Canada throughout that time. Um, uh, played in uh, in the 2018 uh, World Championships to kind of end my career in, in Israel, and and that was about it. So it's uh, it goes by in a blink of an eye. It seems like I'm I'm starting a whole new new life now, uh, post sport, but. Um, you know, that's sort of uh, the, the Coles notes on, on uh, how my career kind of traversed through uh, minor sport, uh, pro sport, international sport, um, and now, uh, now just being a, a, a dad bod, a civilian with a dad bod is, <laughs> is what I am now. <laughs> and um, so you talk about your career, like, that's awesome. You did way more justice than, than we could of, of all your highlights, but... At what point did you start Elevate Lacrosse? Were you still competing, or was that after you had retired? 
Yeah, we, we founded Elevate in 2007. Uh, we ran a lacrosse camp here in Calgary that did really well. Um, 2008, we ran another camp and I was, I was playing in Philadelphia at the time. So it was sort of like, uh, I was working here in Calgary. I was working, uh, in, in, uh, uh, in, in real estate. I'd moved back from Denver. I was trying to figure out what I was going to do. And then we went through that crash in 2008 and I, I ended up signing a, a really good deal with Philadelphia to, to just play lacrosse full time. Uh, so I was playing, uh, my winter lacrosse in Philadelphia, my summer lacrosse in Denver. And then I was also playing um, uh, in uh, in like a semi-pro league in the there's the major series lacrosse in Ontario and and the WLA and in in, uh, in British Columbia. So I was sort of playing in three leagues kind of throughout the year. Uh, we started a camp and and it just it just went really well. And then in 2009 we tried to get a program off the ground in the Edge School with a, a private sort of academy. Um, it ended up, uh, no, we didn't get enough interest at that point in time. And then we started our own club program in 2009 and it sort of took off from there. So I was still playing professionally and running that organization until 2015 when, uh, when I shut her down in, in, uh, in the NLL and, and it was just a, a really smooth transition into, into coaching and, and running a business at that time. Wow. Good for you guys. I know you and your brother Bobby uh, have been instrumental in kind of raising awareness for getting more athletes involved in lacrosse um, since 2009. Do you want to just talk about a little bit in the interest level and the, and the registration that you had then versus what it looks like now and kind of the opportunities that are out there for kids now? Yeah, it's it's crazy. Um, you know, when I was playing in university, so let's say at the end of my career in 2006, there was under 100 Canadians playing in the NCAA. So it was really small. Um, you know, the, it sort of goes, it, it's it's taken off exponentially, but you sort of see the, uh, the ejection of Canadians into the NCAA in correlation to sort of success of the national team. So when we won in 2006, I think there was a real demand for Canadian players uh, to jump on board in the NCAA. And and then again, in 2014, when we won, you saw another sort of spike. Um, it, it realistically, if, if you want to pursue lacrosse outside of, you know, high school, really in, in Canada, you have to pursue that NCAA component. And that was sort of a drive for us. Um, you know, we, we sort of built it from rather than the bottom up mentality at that point in time, from a grassroots level up, we sort of built it from the top down, which, you know, we sort of promoted the idea that you want to pursue a collegiate sport um, and lacrosse. If you're a lacrosse, if you're a, if you're an athlete in Canada and you are aspiring to uh, to play collegiate sports, lacrosse is an absolute no brainer. Um, the brilliance about lacrosse, which I love, is that. There's there's more opportunity for women than there is men, um, really? and uh, that's been a real it's been a real driver for us. There's over 500 schools playing lacrosse in the NCAA, and that's just the NCAA. That's not considering the NAIA or any other sort of leagues that are out there. Um, so for us, it's been a real focus to to try and drive the growth of lacrosse through the opportunity with you know as being a student athlete, and it's it's worked out really well, and that afforded us the opportunity to kind of come downstream a little bit and, and really promote grassroots offerings and try clinics and our, our classroom lacrosse program where we're introducing lacrosse at a, a really young level and, and just really communicating that there's a light at the end of the tunnel for everybody. Like I've, the, the biggest success stories that we've had in our program aren't the kids that are uh, our elite level. They're kids that are just committed and dedicated and hungry and good students. Um, we can teach you to play lacrosse. We, 
you know, if you, if you commit to it and you dedicate yourself to it, there's opportunity for everybody, especially females. And, and uh, so we're really trying to drive that home nowadays. That's so crazy to hear that. I can't believe there's way more. So is this, talking from the NCAA level, is this all field lacrosse that we're talking? Those opportunities it's for scholarships? It's all field lacrosse. Yeah. Yeah. And so what, what you're seeing now is to get the sport into the Olympics, there's this hybrid model that they're sort of putting together. So there's two real segregations. There's box lacrosse and field lacrosse. And what you're seeing now is at the international level, they're trying to bring those two sports together to accommodate more countries being able to play. They're sort of redefining the rules and, the best players in the world traditionally are players that play both disciplines. So if you want to be a good box lacrosse player, it's really helpful to pick up the field lacrosse game. Um, and you see that in the United States now is that because there's so much success out of Canadians in the NCAA and it's correlated to their box lacrosse experience, you see a real push in the United States now to learn how to play more box lacrosse. So it's coming together and, and you know, it's field lacrosse related. It's just, it's just lacrosse. Um, so, you know, now it's, it's more of trying to drive that discipline and, and trying to create more opportunity. And in the current environment that we're in, it's, it's, a, it's a lot more feasible to run stuff outside and big open spaces and, and be able to, uh, you know, coach and, and deliver just the game. Um, the theory is one thing, but learning how to pass and catch and fundamentally, you know, get involved is, uh, is the biggest sort of barrier to entry with that sport. I'm going to plead some ignorance here. What's the difference between, um, between box lacrosse and field lacrosse? Well, that's a great question. Well, box lacrosse was invented by uh, James Naismith, who invented basketball. Um, and so box lacrosse, the best comparison really is that box lacrosse is like hockey and basketball combined, where field lacrosse would be like soccer and hockey combined. That's the best way to think about it. And are there the same amount of athletes on the field for both? Uh, no, so box lacrosse is five on five with the goaltender, so six aside. Field lacrosse is nine on on the men's discipline is nine on nine um, with a goaltender, and women is ten on ten with a goaltender. Oh, interesting. There's another position there. Um, I guess yeah. that makes for more opportunities if for NCAA scholarships, though. That's for sure. If, if there's more places on the team. Absolutely. Well, the, the biggest challenge is we're, we're sort of ge being on the West Coast, Eastern Canada, the majority of lacrosse is played on the Eastern Seaboard. So Ontario has just more opportunity being less geographically challenged to get exposure. Mm -hmm. um, the biggest thing that we're seeing is that it's really about development. Like I, I get emails all the time from NCAA coaches looking for female and male student athletes to come in the following fall. So our biggest thing is about development and, and getting better and being a good student. Um, but I, I can't, I can't tell you how many times I'm like, we don't have anybody left to send. So um, this past year, it, this past year we had 20 in 2020, we had 20 student athletes commit to universities. Uh, we've had uh, over 125 in the last 11 years. Um, and I can't, I can't, I, I, there, there's just, there's a home for everybody. There really is. And Canadian players are in such high demand because of our skill sets um, that it, it's it's really a no-brainer for kids who want to pursue sport. Whether you're literally just starting or you're a player that's played at an elite level, if if you can run um, and you've got a heartbeat, you can you can <laughs> you can yeah. And it, it doesn't it's not saying much for the NCAA, but as in terms of our our skill set and and you know our uh, our level of athleticism and the type of students and the type of education that we have here in Alberta, it's, 
it's really feasible for student athletes to play at a collegiate level. I love the, the emphasis you guys push on, on having all your athletes make sure that they're good students as well. Um, I know that you guys have done some, some trips in the past, taking athletes to go play in different tournaments or whatever it is. Um, what's that like? Because I know you don't travel with a bunch of chaperones and you all of a sudden have to babysit like <laughs> 20-something kids on the road. Um, maybe do you have any good stories from any of those trips? You know what, in, in the, when we went on our first trip in 2009, so we didn't go last year, obviously. Um, but in, in that decade, we haven't had a single issue, um, which is awesome. So we travel with our men's team. Um, we've traveled as many as 40 kids at a time. Um, so the, the idea behind it was the normal model is built that you participate in a program and then you kind of figure out your own travel and your own hotels and you kind of go on your own. And what we were trying to do is just to really replicate what it would be like to travel in a team setting. So, you know, at Denver, we got on aircrafts, we went to hotels, we traveled as a unit, we went to games, we went and played. So we are trying to replicate that environment as much as possible. Um, and in that environment, you're able to be able to, you're able to create controlled levels of adversity to help uh, provide these kids opportunities to succeed and fail in an environment where they're around people that care about them, that believe in them, that trust in them. And, and that's how, that's how those things sort of, that's how you develop as an athlete, which, you know, you guys all know, um, you know, any successes that I'm sure you guys have experienced have been correlated to an, an exponential amount of failure to reach that one point of, of being successful. That's kind of what it's all about. So we sort of create those models with dress codes and timelines and, you know, team meals. Um, I think our favorite thing that we do is we'll have a catered, we'll do a catered breakfast and a catered dinner. Um, and then we'll do lunch kind of when we're out doing all of our stuff. But, you know, we take the kids and we make them put all their cell phones in the middle of the table so they're not on, you know, they're not on social media or texting or doing whatever they're doing. So they have to converse. And um, we've had some, you know, the, the kids get so exhausted by like Saturday evening that they, they just get like, it's just loud and giggly and they really come together as a unit when you sort of, you know, put in a little bit of uh, restriction in terms of what they can and can't do. And they really come together as a unit. And um, my, my favorite, honestly, I, I love working with the boys. It's funny because men, men at that high school age, we're, we're all puffing our chests and trying to figure out who we are and <laughs> posturing and thinking we're really cool. And the girls, they're just, they're, they're so genuine. They want to be a part of a team. And, and I really enjoy watching the girls trips come together because they really come together as a unit and they really compete well with one another. And, and so it's, it's super heartwarming to roll into a dinner. That's like, you know, we're about to get, you know, reprimanded by hotel staff because the kids are just having such a great time and laughing and, and enjoying themselves. And, and that's what we're trying to replicate. So they understand what's out there for them when they get into a high level team environment at, at an NCAA level. So no really fun stories or no, you know, undisciplined stuff other than the fact that, uh, you know, we don't, we don't ride with the, the girls in their vans. We've got female coaches and, and they operate in those environments. And, uh, you know, I, I think to be a fly on the wall in that environment would be pretty hilarious, but the girls seem to really let loose and, and uh, their personalities come out and, and it's a lot of fun to see, you know, what sport is really doing for, you know, for young females, young males in those environments. It's really putting together a foundation for them to be successful in life, uh, you know, once, once sports runs its course for them. Yeah, I think that's great. Um, like 
I know some of my favorite memories on the road, I'm sure Alicia, you too, are those like team dinners or when you're all traveling together. So it really sounds like you're kind of giving them the mentorship piece on top of the technical side as well to kind of teach them the ropes that obviously you have a lengthy list of accolades from all your time in lacrosse and you're trying to kind of help them understand what it's like to reach that level as well. Um, So my question is, other than the on-field on kind of technical side with your programming, are there any other, like, formal parts? Like, you, talk, you talked a lot about education. Like, do you guys offer any sort of, you know, resources or help if they want to get their grades up to go to school? And what kind of other stuff are you guys doing off the field? Yeah, it's, it's really funny because it, it's sort of the NCAA process. We, we, we mentor and manage for the student-athletes. We provide guidance and feedback. But a big part of it is... It's not a lot of hand-holding. They have to go through the process. We, we put in front of them sort of the guidelines that they need to adhere to and what our expectations are. But really, you know, it's, it's not a weeding out process. It's a rise to the occasion process. So, um, you know, we, in terms of our program and, and where we come from, we were really forged in, in, you know, adversity. And so we really believe in that. And, uh, and so we're, we're resources for student athletes. They get, they have open access to us. Kids that are a part of our elite program uh, in the fall have year round open access to us with them and their families in terms of guidance and mentorship. Um, you know, we're getting, we're dealing with the whole gamut of issues and uh, you know, we're, we're really not, you know, we're, we're, we're sports psychologists, we're, we're counselors, we're, um, you know, we're not, not that we should be providing any dating advice, but we're doing that. Like, we're, <laughs> Real life advice, that's what you can call it. We're we're kind of running the gamut. So with respect to external resources, um, you know, I really believe heavily in the Alberta education system. Um, It's one of the best public education systems in the world, and kids are rewarded uh, uh, with that when they apply through the NCAA Clearinghouse. It is recognized as a very high education system. Um, And in terms of auxiliary resources, our our programming really promotes multi-sport. We want kids to be diverse athletes. We provide all the information that they need from a training perspective. And then on top of that, a lot of the resources are, you know, we're, we're really character driven, culture driven and, and compete level driven. So um, a big part, if the only thing that we do at the end of the day, when you participate in our programs is become a better citizen um, in the community, that's, that's, that's our ultimate goal. Um, you know, playing elite sports or playing at a high level, like that's all great, but it's not, it's not the primary focus for us. We have kids that have come through our program that we run into and um, you know, we've got a, a friend of ours, or sorry, not a friend of ours, a kid of ours who uh, he manages uh, one of the sporting lives in town. And uh, oh, cool. you, you run into him at the store and, and he credits the, the opportunity that he had with the organization. And you know, he, didn't, he didn't go to the NCAA and that's just fine. That's not what it's about. Um, it's about giving back in the community and, and contributing to the community um, through the lessons and everything that you've learned in sport. I think our, one of the biggest things that we do is we, we monitor social media accounts. Um, yeah, I think more than anything, especially now, you got to be very cognizant of how you're representing yourself online as a student athlete or an athlete in general. So we spend a lot of time, uh, you know, monitoring social media accounts, making sure that we're educating kids. And, and that never goes to the, you know, if it was a real problem, it would go to the parents, but Aside from that, we're, you know, we're passing along um, just sort of guidance with respect to, you know, contributing in the community. And it's really forced us to sort of change our perspective as well. Um, you know, we have to conduct ourselves appropriately. We have to be good citizens. We have to be good people. And I think we take a lot of pride in that leadership. So with respect to external resources, um, we've actually, 
we're, we're in the process of partnering with, uh, with Hone. I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with them. Um, but Maybe just explain it app. quickly for the listeners. Yeah, Hone is a, um, it's, uh, uh, it's, it's a program and it's essentially uh, Mindful Athletics is the organization. The, the ladies there are unbelievable and they put together an app that uh, is essentially going to manage um, mental health of student athletes. So um, because of the pandemic and, and everything that's going on, it's been a little bit slow for us to roll out, but we're, in, uh, we're working uh, on our agreement with them to be able to try and provide opportunities to really dig into mental health components with student athletes. So they check in every day and, and sort of talk about how they're, uh, how they're feeling, what they need, what they don't need, what can be approved on. And, and so in terms of external resources, we're sort of dipping into that a little bit more. Um, and, and aside from that, it's mostly just managing, um, you know, training, uh, your character component and, and your compete level with respect to the organization and how you're developing. I think kids are great. Like they're, they're blank pages and they're blank slates and, and we're giving them the opportunity to write their stories in the right way and, and being a resource, not only as coaches, but essentially as mentors with respect to direction and community focused stuff as well. Um, that I think that's just speaks to miles about the whole, especially the monitoring the social media accounts and just in a, in a way from a, where you're trying to be their friend almost and just try to like offer guidance rather than like how a parent might step in and be like, you can't do this, you can't do that. And then you're able to let them see why. And I think that's just such an important age for like, I know my, I didn't have social media growing up, so I couldn't even imagine what my life would be like if I did. Um, and I think Thank that's God. such an important Thank piece. Thank God I didn't have social media. Thank God I didn't have social media I know, growing right? up. Like, right? I think <laughs> I didn't. Like, but um, yeah, that's just such an important thing. I think it's going to be in terms of the t- integrity of students um, looking to further their career in sport. Um, having said that, so I, I want to go back and touch on you a little bit, but it kind of plays into both these parts of the question. So you mentioned you play, you were between hockey and lacrosse, then you ended up choosing lacrosse. Um, kids start playing hockey in, it seems like in our, in our province from the age of like two, from as soon as they skate and their parents specialize them and, and go into that. Um, how, like what drove you towards lacrosse? Did you just like the, the sport better? Did you have better, more opportunities in that? What, how did you just decipher between the two? Yeah, it's, it's actually funny. We, um, I got introduced at my school. So um, I was at Captain John Palliser in the fifth grade in the Northwest. And uh, there was a gentleman, his name Sandy Benny, came to uh, Mrs. Grant's fifth grade gym class and put a lacrosse stick in my hands. Um, and, and from there, I went home and, and my dad was a, you know, he was a hockey dad. And we were in arenas all, all winter long. And I was playing soccer and baseball and squash and volleyball and doing all this other stuff. And I went home and told him I wanted to play lacrosse, and he said no. <laughs> so, and, and because he didn't want to sit in arena all summer long, and, and uh, you know, if he was on this call, he would he would agree with that. And and uh, and I, I just hounded him to play lacrosse. And and the reason why I remember going back to, and I think it's what we're what we're trying to replicate when we run our grassroots programming is I picked up a lacrosse stick and I was good at it. Mm-hmm. And so I had this, you know, I had this thing where I was just like I was good at something. Um, I, I went home, it was confidence building. I, I felt an identity with it in the sense that it just felt good to play. And, uh, and then I just started balancing both, um, really, and specialized more. I played, I played the hockey until I was 21. Um, you know, you can't really do that anymore. Like you have to specialize more like in the 10th or 11th grade, just based on how competitive things are getting. But, um, we're 
big proponents of multi-sport. I think it's I think it's absolutely uh, integral in in your overall development as an athlete as a whole. So, um, you know, for me, it was it was something that you know I was fortunate enough because I had a longer period of time based on NCAA rules. Now you have three years after, or then you had three years after high school to be enrolled in an NCAA institution, and now you only have one. So sort of taking that timeline back a little bit. Um, but but for me, it was it was getting that confidence boost. So now, you know, we run this classroom lacrosse program now that's all over the city. Our, our biggest year, we saw uh, over 32,000 kids. Um, wow. And the goal is, is to, to make them, not to throw a bunch of sticks on the ground and say, hey, figure it out. Our goal is to put a stick in their hands and, and allow them to develop some confidence so they feel good about the sport that they're participating in. They're feeling good about uh, about that identity with the sport and then, you know, connecting with something that, that they can potentially get good at and enjoy. I think that's the biggest, the, really the biggest thing for us. So that's how I got my start. The same the same way that we're, we're doing things right now and it's evolved and, um, you know, we're, we're introducing the sport to a number of different kids and, I think our, our biggest success story in that in that environment was um, we had a, a Syrian family that had emigrated to Canada. Um, you know, I think the ideal thing would be like soccer. It's the, one of the biggest sports in the world for this young man to pick up and play. Uh, we visited them at a school. They came out to the Calgary Field Lacrosse Program. They got some coaching, and now this individual is a lacrosse player. So having a new Canadian family um, coming to Canada playing Canada's national summer sport is a, is a real win for us. And that stemmed from, you know, how we picked up the sport in, in schools and, and getting the opportunity to, to develop some confidence and really dive into something that we really enjoyed. This might be a little bit of a theory question, just building on that then. So this was part two of my question. So nowadays we say like, if, like we've got kids specializing from a super young age and, and they, they go on and they play to be professional in their level. And maybe they don't just do their one sport. They, they develop their athletic abilities. But for the most part, say, I'm going to stick with hockey. If you start playing hockey at 12, there's a very, very limited chance that you're going to, you know, probably move on and play NCAA um, hockey. But you're saying, from what I hear, if you're athletic and the skill sets and you have some of the other things developed, that if you probably could start playing lacrosse a little bit later in life and still have a chance to get that athletic scholarship. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, the, big, the big sport that we're really leaning on right now is ringette. Um, you know, the, we had a, a number of new lacrosse players come over to us this year and participate in the fall that are ringette players. Um, again, if you can run, jump, uh, you know, that, that's all we need you to do is just to be able to be athletic. And, and the lacrosse part is, is easy for us to teach. Um, the athleticism, obviously, there's, there's things that are, that are out of your control. Um, but we have all shapes, sizes, mentalities that participate in the sport. And, and you know, I think the, 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 one of my favorite stories, uh, Tori, uh, Tori Hanna is a friend of mine who um, she actually worked with. She worked with Under Armour. And the uh, U.S. bobsled team, the men's side or the the men and women's side. So she was she was involved with Under Armour and that group. Uh, Tori was a field hockey player at the University of Maryland and had never touched a women's lacrosse stick in her life. And Tori was just a just a good athlete. She's you know she's like six five and you know she's just she's she's just athletically you know gifted. Yep. Uh, never touched a lacrosse stick. The the women's lacrosse coach at Maryland pulled her over from field hockey. And they won three national championships. So it's not like it's really something that you can pick up later if you're an if you're an athlete. And like we have a 
you have some girls that have never played field. They played box lacrosse, but the, the, the interesting part about women's field lacrosse to women's box lacrosse is the tools are different. Um, so we've had, we've had ladies come over that have played box lacrosse before and never touched a women's field lacrosse stick. And then two years later, they're enrolled in an institution in the United States. So it's, it's honestly, it's, if the lacrosse component is really easy and yes, if you picked up a lacrosse stick later in life, there is no reason that you cannot go on to play at a high level. If that was something that you're interested in doing, or you know, forget a high level. If you just want to compete and play in something and, and continue on in sport, it's something that you can pick up very quickly and learn very quickly. And being in, a, in an environment where you're getting good coaching and exposure to the game, um, you know, there's no reason that you can't pursue it at any level. That's great. Um, just touching back, you talked about going to, going to schools and kind of giving kids the opportunity to try it. Obviously, the pandemic has not allowed for that opportunity. So I've heard that Elevate Lacrosse has teamed up with Kidsport to help give maybe some kids and families the opportunity to try lacrosse. Can you tell us a little bit about um, the play packs? Yeah, so um, we're, we're partnered with the group Northland Lacrosse. Uh, we just did a big thing to put sticks out into the community. I'll let, I'll let Kevin uh, and the Kidsport group roll that out. That's their, their story to tell. But aside from that, we're also, um, you know, we do our best to, to give back to Kidsport as well to provide opportunities. A year ago, we did a So All Kids, the, the motto for Kidsport obviously is So All Kids Can Play. And, and we did a campaign that was So All Kids Can Play Lacrosse. And we, uh, we dedicated some funds and then we ran a try it clinic where you can just come out and pick up a stick and, and give it a go in, in an environment with our, uh, with our professional coaching staff to try and, you know, give it a go. So, um, you know, we're running, we have those programs coming up. Um, and the beauty about it is that we can run this sport outside. So, um, you know, we can maintain our distancing. Um, we can introduce the sport. You can get a stick in your hands and you can learn those skills and, and, uh, and get introduced to the sport in an environment that's, you know, safe, very little pressure, and then we present avenues all over the city where you can get involved. If you want to play box lacrosse, you know we don't run any programming during the the, the box lacrosse season, um, so you can go and play box lacrosse. If you want to get in, involved in field lacrosse, there's opportunities to come and play at a grassroots level with Calgary Field Lacrosse in the summer, and then there's a whole run of, of programs that we that we run throughout the year to just get a stick in your hands and play competitively or develop or just be a part of a unit um, and and whatever you know, path you want to follow, whether it's high level or grassroots, you can participate. So kids sports been wonderful. I, I really truly believe um, in, uh, in, in helping, you know, impact our community and, and kids sports been just a, an awesome avenue to do that. I think what they're doing is, is incredible. And, and um, you know, just seeing the amount of, uh, of barriers that they're breaking down collectively to help kids participate. Um, you know, I, I joke around all the time. Mario Amantia is a great friend of mine. Um, he, uh, he coached our midget AAA hockey team and, and, you know, he took a chance on a kid when I was, you know, 16 years old. And, and I tell Mario all the time that had I not had that opportunity, I'd probably just be getting out of jail right now, um, you know, on parole for the first time if I didn't have sport to kind of keep me on the straight and narrow. So um, I, I just, at all levels of sport, there's so much positive stuff that impacts youth. And, and I just think that you know, the opportunity to pick up a stick and try it or get out and get some funding for some skis or some skates or whatever, whatever you need through the, you know, the sports bank and, and that Kidsport Avenue is, is instrumental in just creating, um, you know, better people and, you know, better, better students, better citizens and, and people that are going to continue to give back and contribute into our community. So it's a, it's a no brainer for us to, 
to partner with Kids Sport and, and create uh, uh, fewer barriers to entry into the sport and, and participation. So how are people, if they want to get involved in that, is there a website they can go to register or is the information still waiting to get out for that? Yeah, um, we've got triad clinics that are coming out here. We've, uh, we're working with um, the Fury group, which is the women's lacrosse group uh, here in Calgary. Um, so we're, uh, uh, we're, we're working with them to get uh, more female student athletes to come out and pick up a, a women's field lacrosse stick and give it a try. And you can find that at, at elevatelacrosse.com. Um, we've got one uh, available for, uh, for boys as well. And then um, we're running programs in the spring called Scoop. So what Scoop is, is we provide all your equipment. It's a, a program that, uh, that runs over a six-week period of time. Um, it runs twice a week, and, and you can come and pick up a stick. And all you need is a hockey helmet and some gloves. Um, and then we'll provide the lacrosse equipment for you and, and start coaching. And, and we do that outside on the fields. And physically distant and, and all of that good stuff to, to give lacrosse a try. So the triad clinics are coming up here at the end of April where you can get involved and you can find that on our, our website again, uh, elevatelacrosse.com. And, uh, and yeah, we're, we're pumped to just introduce the sport and hopefully get more kids in just, just playing. Um, and, and if they want to pursue it on a, on a different level, we're certainly willing to provide options for them to, you know, to grow within the sport itself. Awesome. Love to hear it. Um, Another question for you. We, have, we, we know what's going on with, with Elevate and all this stuff. So you're a retired NNL All-Star world champion. What kind of challenges are you facing or challenging yourself with uh, next in the athletic oh, man. world? This is a this is a, a user friendly podcast, right? Like, can I really dive into this stuff? Or what you... <laughs> you can dive in as much as you want. Kevin definitely <laughs> led me on for this one. <laughs> Um, yeah, you know, I think um, it, it's always challenging. Um, traversing out of professional sports is is really hard. Um, you know, at any at, at any level, whether you're an Olympic athlete or an international athlete, professional athlete, um, you know, it's that that traverse is 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 really challenging. So, um, you know, it, it, it's one of those things where um, you know you, you've had this passion that has been a massive part of your life. It's all you think about every single day. Like I, Riz, I don't know if there's anybody that trains more than you on the planet. I, uh, <laughs> I wake up every day. Like I'm not, I'm not doing enough just for my own health, watching you, uh, watching you do cleans. I haven't done a clean in like 10 years. Um, so it's, it's finding that passion. And, and I think that's the beauty of, about sports as a whole is that, um, you know, when you can't play anymore, you coach and, uh, and for us, um, I, I think for me in my transition out of that, um, you know, building, not only building an avenue for, you know, kids to, to come in and get challenged and grow in an environment and, and give back to our community. I think what's really a really proud thing for us as well is that we've, you know, there's, there's kids that have come through our program that have gone to institutions. Um, there's a program, Maryville in, in St. Louis right now, that's got nine of our kids on their roster and they went from like, you know, they went into the top 20 um, wow. in, in NCAA Division II, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, we've, had a couple of, we've had a couple of kids that have been like freshman captains, wow. um, which is really exciting. So we have a lot of kids that are taking on leadership roles in their respective teams, which is really rewarding. Um, and then on top of that, breaking down some of these barriers so these kids can get into these institutions, we've noticed schools just recruiting more Alberta kids in general. Uh, whether they're in our program or not. And, and I think we're really proud of that as well. So 
there, there's that component. There's a business component where we're now employing people and, and contributing to the economy here, which is great. Um, the leadership component of, of helping kids go and, and contribute to their, you know, their relative student bodies. Um, so kids that just participate in the sport and develop the confidence to take on, you know, things in their day-to-day -day lives is, is huge for us too. So for me, that transition now out of, out of pro sports into sort of more of a, a macro sort of environment in our community is, is sort of what's powering me through this stuff and, and the current environment. I, uh, I take a lot of pride in, in being a Calgarian. Um, I, I love this city. I love, uh, you know, it's the sport as a whole has provided me every opportunity and, and um, you know, the, the fact that we're able now to, to commit to it full time and give back to the community um, is great. And, and we're just very grateful that uh, the community as a whole is, is really digging into us as well, which is fantastic. They, they're, they, they're really loyal. They've really, um, you know, helped support us and, and allow us to do what we love to do. So um, I'm very grateful for just the community as a whole as well in, in terms of, um, you know, believing in, in, in what we're doing and, and giving us the opportunity to, you know, really not fade away. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So easy. Uh, one more question for you. How much rest do you take between sets at the gym? <laughs> well, I, I train with uh, with Sean Hope Ross. He's very well known in the community here. He works with the Hitmen and uh, and the Roughnecks. And if you ask Sean, he would probably tell you too much. <laughs> um, but I, I'm I'm now getting to the point where I'm setting my my timer on my watch for for one minute intervals and uh, and doing my best to to not take more than a minute. But if Sean uh, uh, Sean would, Sean, if Sean was on this call right now, he'd tell you uh, it, it, five to six minutes is normally what I take. <laughs> so oh, <laughs> so really you're normally on the bobsled program, and you, they're trying to keep you more into the, the in-shape program. I see what it is. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm working hard to cut down my resting time, but I, I end up chatting too much and, uh, and, and sacrificing a little bit of that for my social time. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing everything about your story and how you're mentoring kids um i know calgary and alberta is so lucky to have you guys here and what like you guys are just doing amazing things and building amazing humans so thank you for that and i think that our next generation of um kids sport ambassadors are probably going to be former elevate players it sounds like with um with what you guys are doing so thank you for joining us jeff and um yeah if you want to check out elevate lacrosse check check it out and if you want to pick up a lacrosse deck sounds like the perfect pandemic friendly um activity activity thank you <laughs> words words are hard sometimes anyways thank you so much thanks for having us jeff and thank you everyone for tuning into the face first podcast this week i love what you guys are doing thank you so much for having me i'm looking forward to tuning into your next episode the broken yoke was established in 2015 by two local brothers the Broken Yoke's vision is to provide great service, consistent, amazing food, and build relationships with our stakeholders. Their aim is to make everyone feel like they are a part of the family. This is you. The Broken Yoke are big supporters and believers of Kids Sport Calgary. Sports is the foundation of the brothers lean on when it comes to business. When playing a sport, you're practicing a skill that is related to your sport, but more importantly, there are life lessons and life skills to be learned from playing sports. As a company, we have a mission, and that is we use the restaurant as a platform to grow and empower our team and ourselves. We want our team to succeed in life, but most importantly, in life outside of the broken yoke. Because of your support, we are able to grow our company. We know this past year has been challenging, to say the least. So if you have supported us through takeout, 
dine in, or even just through social media. We want to thank you, and we are grateful for you, Calgary. Check out Sport Calgary's This Week in Sport for the latest news and updates in Calgary's sports community.